Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Terry Shellington, thank you very much for your presentation. I really appreciated your, your shoot-from-the-hip um, style of presenting, uh, rich on information. <coughs> um, I wonder if you'd comment. It was in the 90s that Ralph Klein introduced the flat tax, and I've heard uh, economists uh, say that that cost Alberta between $1 and $2 billion in revenue, and I was astonished that I didn't hear you mention uh, a progressive income tax when you're talking about a tax discussion. Is there a reason why... I didn't hear you mention progressive income tax. Uh, no, not not specifically. In fact, we just had that uh, discussion at our luncheon table. Uh, I wasn't there when the flat tax was brought in. Clint was, and I actually asked him about it. And you know, his his uh, his, his answer was that. Uh, at the, and I'm going to paraphrase. So, Clint, if I'm wrong, stand up and correct me. But you know, I think the thinking was at the time that. Uh, uh, you shouldn't necessarily be penalized for the more money that you make. Um, I th also, um, there is clearly um, a view that the more money that stays in your pocket, the more is churned to, through the community and, uh, and, and spending. Uh, I, I would suggest that uh, that's probably going to have to be looked at. And what I wanted to message I wanted to convey today was nothing should be off the table but let's have a discussion about all of the options I'm not favoring one over the other I use the sales tax as just an example of if you did this I believe this is what the outcome could be you could do you know I, I know the one if I could just take one more no, minute uh, one comment that was made uh, and has been made by a number of people is that we should look at a sales tax and eliminate income tax. Uh, we need to remember that in order to do that in Alberta, you would need a 15% sales tax. So that I, I don't think that in itself would be saleable. But if I if I had uh, you know to put all of the taxes into a category to talk about, definitely looking at a progressive tax would be in that category. My name is Van Christou. Thank you for coming, Ron. And thank you for taking the full half hour and not quitting at 15 minutes. Uh, you uh, had a, a wealth of information for us today. Thank you. Um, two things came up at our table. Um, so if I may be permitted two questions since the mills don't line up behind me. Uh, first of all, was, was the sales tax. Wondering if that isn't a better way to collect money from people than, than income tax uh, right across the board. Uh, the more you buy, the more you pay. And you don't have to have a complex system to collect it. The merchants collect it. And uh, far more efficient. That's the first one. The second one was regarding the, and it's not directly connected with uh, the tax structure that you talked about, but because you mentioned the Heritage Fund, um, that my question is around the Heritage Fund. I have some question about our accepting that as, as a standard. Um, I'm wondering if we're not better off to invest that money in infrastructure that the province needs badly for the future 
that is much better than, put, than the government becoming a banker and looking after the money. What do you think about that? Okay, uh, I'll go back to the uh, first part of your question. Uh, is, uh, I partly answered that earlier with saying that you need a 15% sales tax to replace the, in, uh, the personal income tax. Um, um, I, I was thinking about your second part and forgot about your first part. I'm sorry, what was the second part of your first part? Uh, the sales tax, uh, oh, I know what I was it seems high, that it eliminates a tremendous amount of bureaucracy yeah, and yeah, so yeah, on yeah. in collecting it. I know what I was going to mention on that, that take. I mentioned health care premiums uh, in my remarks. Do you, you know, we had, I think it was three to 400 people working collecting health care premiums. So again, talk about money just sort of churning around. And that's why I think what we need as part of the discussion, whatever one needs to look at, needs to be the most effective, efficient way of getting the job done. And that's why I very much prefer one line on the income tax, which really takes nothing. There's no people. Um, so, um, you know, the, the Heritage Fund and the concept of saving has uh, been around for, I guess, as long as the Heritage Fund has been around. But um, I, I am a believer that... Uh, that uh, there is a merit to having a savings account. I'm also a believer that um, uh, I think there's a balance on infrastructure as to how much you can actually build and, and do. Uh, you have to remember that for the most part, every time you build something, comes off ongoing operational costs that get built in. Now, that's not true if you're replacing an old building with a new one. It can be more efficient. But, uh, you know, our, our infrastructure budget, and I will give Premier Stelmack full credit for this, and with all due respect to my good friend Clint and the people who were there getting rid of the debt, the one thing that did suffer in this province was infrastructure. And you combined the almost total effort on getting rid of the debt at the expense of infrastructure at a time when the province was growing like this, and I know when I was appointed Minister of Education, so that would have been uh, 2006 after Premier Stelmack was elected, man, oh man, I couldn't believe the condition of some of our schools, the, the kids having to ride buses for in cities, for God's sakes, for an hour to get to school. Uh, our infrastructure was, was uh, not in good shape. I would say today it is... Very good. Always could use more, but I think if you look around your community, you look around the communities that others of us live in in Alberta, and man, there's been a lot of lot of money put into infrastructure. And I think you you hit a balance that that because the one thing you have to remember in a hot economy, the more money that government allocates to infrastructure, the more it drives up prices for the private sector when they want to build because there's a scarcity of workers. So I think there is a balance there. So I'd still favor the savings account, a portion of it, but I think we have to do something with that savings that, as I earlier alluded to. Just to finally, our, sa our, our Heritage Fund last year, uh, AIMCO, is the entity the government created to invest the Heritage Fund and all of the government pension plans. 
and I think it's now about 80 billion. It returned almost 9% last year, so it, it, is, it is working for Albertans. Hi, Clint Dunford. Um, I'm not the smartest person in, in this room or any room, but I consider myself reasonably intelligent and fairly well read, but I could never understand the royalty system. You might have been the Minister of Energy that put together the royalty 101s that we MLAs would go to, and, and it was it just, I, I would see these people sitting in fr you know, at the front of the table, and it might have been wow, 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 you know, their lips were moving, but I couldn't understand a thing. Can you enlighten me and maybe some of the rest of the crowd of this royalty thing? <laughs> I can't believe it, a confession from a politician that he didn't know what he was talking about. Well, I guess one of the problems you have with the royalty uh, structure is that it, it is very, very complicated. And it is, uh, and it, um, there is no one royalty structure. That's the problem, is there are numerous royalty uh, structures around that exist today. But in essence, what royalties are is the people of Alberta own the resources. And Company X bids to develop those resources and the government says, okay, we're going to take a percentage. It is not a tax, which we always have that debate with industry about, because you own the resources. They are developing those resources on our behalf, and so it's only fair that we get a royalty from it. Now, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of royalty structures, like the oil sands is an example. Uh, there was uh, there was a, a, a created, I think, under Ralph and Probably when Clinton was there, uh, it was, it's not a royalty holiday, but uh, in essence what happens in the oil sands is you only pay 1% royalty until you recover your capital costs. It's the only way we could get people to invest in the oil sands. And it's one of the reasons why our future revenue projections are very positive is because many of those oil sands operations over the next two to three years will be hitting what's called payout. So payout is when they have recovered all of their capital costs, that royalty that they pay to you as Albertans increases from 1% of their gross revenue to somewhere in the range of between 15 and 25%. So it's a substantive jump for a number of these companies, and that money comes back into provincial treasury. I could go on for days talking about various different kinds of royalties because you know, we have royalties for propane, we have royalties for ethane, we have royalties for oil sands, for natural gas, for oil, for heavy oil. Cripes, it goes on forever. But uh, uh, it is complicated. Um, I'll be the second ex-politician to confess. <laughs> Quite frankly, a lot of it I didn't understand when I was there, but that's why you have smart people in the department to figure it out. I'm a little close to you here because I'm a radical. They keep telling me. Uh, radical right or radical left? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm with honesty. Okay. Uh, thank you for that answer, by the way. We've asked five political leaders, three ministers of the crown. They couldn't even, they always say it's very complicated. Your <laughs> premier, the present premier, 
Mrs. Hatcher's daughter. Okay, just admit it at the pre-election meeting here, fundraiser, when we question her, I carry three auditor's reports in my pocket. I said, ma'am, once and for all, what is our royalty rate? She said the same thing. It's very, very complicated. Okay, what is my bank account? That's my bank account, my kid bank. What is it? She said, with a finger to me, she said, as a matter of fact, there's 20, 17 oil companies ready to pay the 25%. Uh, so that's Ralphie's 25%, she said, exactly. Okay, thank you for that. You finally made an answer. But I can't help, I wasn't coming because to me, Alberta, I'm from the 30s. I had to fight to get people's jobs back at the age of 21. And I think we should all go through the depression to finally learn what the hell's going around. I'm amazed when I saw your uh, synopsis in the paper that you worked under Peter Lougheed who fight like the devil who fought to get their provincial rights to resources. Right. But he stood up the oil company said it's 35% or get off the lot. I'm surprised that you didn't go on that vintage and vice why in Alberta your five portfolios why from Saskatchewan especially that you didn't learn, didn't learn from the most famous Canadian man in a countrywide poll, Tommy Douglas. Okay? But thirdly, Question, if please. I may, don't yeah. cut me off. I've been cut off for years. <laughs> but but any, any, uh, thirdly, uh, the Alberta organization has reported several times we have given up, up to $160 billion in royalties. Then you come to a day to us, tell us that we should pay more. Okay, but let me let me try and answer some of those okay, comments. Okay, okay. Let me answer the question. Yeah, let sure. me, let, 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 all good points. Because keep in mind, those who say we've lost $160 billion in royalties, that's the simplistic answer, simplistic statement that unfortunately we're faced with in the world of communication today. If you can't communicate in 15 seconds, you're done. You know, it's, it's, it's the Twitter world, it's the email world, it's really difficult. And so when you say, we're shipping jobs down the pipeline, okay, that's within your 15 seconds. We lost $160 billion in royalties, that's within the 15 seconds. Let me tell you, we wouldn't have collected a damn cent in royalties if we would have kept royalties up here and nobody would have invested to develop the resources. You, you expect us to believe that? Well, Where the hell are they going to go? Where's the oil companies going to well, go? Well, listen, I'll tell you. I was there when, uh, when we brought in the first changes to the royalty regime that Premier Stelmack brought in. Yeah. And uh, there was a there. They'll find places to go, and I can tell you right now, we have to be very careful in Alberta because we're now competing against our neighbors to the south who are developing oil at a rate much. Ra more rapid than we are, and if we start raising royalties here, they're just—they're already going south of the border. We get you know, there's a balance you got to get there, and uh, you know, uh, as I say, I—if—if I, uh, if you don't have the right balance in place, so that investors can get a return on their 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 dollars, they're just not going to invest, and the, the resources are no good to any of us sitting in the ground. You, you, did you hear? You must have missed Merv Leach's 
uh, interrogation on, with CBC lately. He said he was Merv low. Leach. Yeah. Merv Leach is dead. Well, he did, but they repeated an interview with him. He said it's the biggest ripoff no, in no. world history. I think you're confusing it. I know I knew Merv Leach very well, and uh, I don't think he would have said that. You might there might be a different Leach, but Merv Leach's been dead for about 20 years now. <laughs> Sir, thank you for your presentation. I particularly enjoyed some of the more simple statistical relationships you gave us between cost and revenue. I believe also that the Alberta citizens are ready to be engaged in discussion of taxation, but they are not ready to be engaged in taxa discussion on ta taxation without a discussion on costs. How, would you, how can you engage the whole population on that side of the equation? The second point is putting money away into the heritage savings and trust fund. I believe all politicians are basically Vikings. They're rapists, plunderers, and pillagers. How are you going to stop them getting their hands on it for the wrong purpose in the future? We've seen that thing happen before here. Well, I mean, you, could, you, you can put all kinds of rules around. I mean, one of the things that Ralph did when, in Clint's time was brought in the legislation that said you can't bring in a provincial sales tax without a referendum. So, I mean, you could bring in legislation that says you can't take any money out of the Heritage Trust Fund without legislation. So, I mean, there are ways that you can put those protections around. And finally, the, the biggest protection is every four years you have an election. Throw them out. So, you know, that's, that's one side of it. Now, on the cost side, I don't think there's a person in Alberta who wouldn't acknowledge that you can always do things better and more effectively. And so... I. I, I think that should be a constant uh, undertaking of the government of, at any time, whether it's municipal, provincial, or federal. But I will, I will give you one statistic because you like the way I put things in fairly easy to understand terms. When I was Minister of Health, we took a look at it and I said, okay, what if we just got rid of the entire Department of Health and fired all the people who work for the Department of Health how much money would that save? You know, it wouldn't even pay for one day of health care delivery. One day. So, you know, I, I will stand up and defend the people who work for government. They become a really nice target. But it is much more difficult to achieve savings than one might uh, assume. Um, and I guess you just have to look at what is being attempted in the budget today. Let's just take the one area of post-secondary education. I believe, I wasn't there, but I believe the intent behind post-secondary education funding reductions this year was to force with money post-secondary educations to work closer together, to not have duplicate degree granting programs, all of those sorts of things. I'll tell you, it's, they got a handful out there right now. So it's easier to say, get rid of things and cut things. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you can nibble around the edges on a whole bunch of things, but if we don't deal with our costs of healthcare, it ain't gonna matter. Newt Peterson is the name. Ron, thanks for coming. Uh, I would uh, like to 
hear your explanation about, you know, we're always talking about on municipal level, provincial level, we need to grow our tax base. And when budget time rolls around, of course, then it's, uh, well, because we grew, we need to increase taxes. So I'm talking about the growth that we're desperately seeking for, for whatever reason. That's costing us billions and billions of dollars that the government is not really considering when you're talking about growth, except when budget time rolls around. Then you know, then you know it costs money. So why are we growing so fast? Why, what's, what's the big hurry here? Are we, th are we worried about, like you mentioned, that maybe oil will not be a big player later on? Do we want to get it all out before it becomes obsolete for burning, that is? It'll never be obsolete in terms of a resource, but it may become obsolete in terms of burning it. Yeah. Well, let me, let me uh, put it this way. Uh, why did I come to Alberta back in 1970? One word, opportunity. I believe that everybody who's come to Alberta since that time have come here because of opportunity. And I don't think we should be discouraging opportunity. And we're blessed with resources, but we have an awful lot of people moving to Alberta for other reasons, whether it's uh, small business, because we do have a fair tax structure for small business, we have, we are one of the first provinces, uh, or one of the provinces in the last, I think last two years that have actually grown the number of positions that we have. I know we, there's still probably lots of uh, opportunities in, for uh, medical community, but it, Alberta is the place for opportunity. And the only way you're going to uh, stimulate or, or stymie growth is to reduce those opportunities. So we could, yeah, bring in a whole bunch of taxes so people didn't come here because we had the lowest tax regime in the country. We could increase small business tax so people would say, well, I'm not going to locate my small business in Alberta. I mean, all of those things would probably create negative growth, but, uh, you know, I've seen a few other jurisdictions who either probably not willingly, but stumbled into it, who stymied opportunity, and they paid the price for many, many years. So I think it's, it's inevitable that the opportunities that exist in Alberta are going to continue to create growth over the next, I would say, decade at least, and we just have to manage properly to maintain services to accommodate that growth. I can't answer it any other way. Ron, thank you. Art Sanford, and uh, thank you for plain speaking. It's uh, making what you're saying pretty easy to understand. And um, I know the problem. I've been elected four times in the city here, uh, three as an alderman, and once with Chinook Health. Oh, yeah. I was one of the elected ones. Did I fire you? A year and a half, no, a year and a half later, uh, I was told I was no longer elected. I was now appointed. That's and right. seven years later, I was still there wondering what my term was. So, no, I wasn't really disappointed. <laughs> but... You know, there, there are many issues out there, and when you talk about sitting down and talking about the taxes, if you talk, sit down there and this whole room started talking about taxes, the first thing they'd say to you is, well, okay, increase the taxes, but not mine, uh, and don't yeah. take any of my programs. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but it comes back to the government making the hard decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one question I have, and, and nobody seems to want to address that, none of the parties in Edmonton, 
is in our public service, the number of public servants we have per capita compared to the rest of Canada, I mean, we do have the most expensive government in, across Canada, and the salary levels. The number of people we now have working, and it's interesting, McLean's Magazine had an article on that this past week. The number of, of employees that we have in the public service making over 100000 a year plus 19% benefits. It's way over what the private sector can do. I own a private sector. I have my own business. I could never come anywhere close. I mean, your average salary in, in Alberta, I think, right now is about $43,000. But you have all kinds of public servants over that 100000 And I'm talking frontline workers, not management. Okay, Would so you address that? Uh, yes, I can. Um, I saw that. You mentioned McLean's, but it was actually a study by the Fraser Institute, right. which has a pretty far-right ideological view of things. Um, there are statistics. There are statistics that you can manipulate to promote your own cause, and I believe that in many cases this happens. Uh, when, when you say that um, Alberta has the most expensive government in Canada, it could be true. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it is or it isn't, but I'm sure as hell not going to take the Fraser's word for it. Because when you – what they do – and th this, this is one thing I said to Doug Griffiths the other day. I was having a chat with him as Minister of Municipal Affairs. What they do is they take Alberta spends $36 billion a year. There's 3.7 million people divided. Comes out to that's what it costs us to run government in Alberta. But what they don't take into account is there's a big chunk of that $36 billion that's not spent by the provincial government. Municipal grants, as an example, is spent by you and your folks. They said to Doug Griffiths, why don't we just get away from this business of municipal grants? Give municipalities the ability to create more revenue of their own. I don't know how to do it. Give them the gas tax, give them whatever. Because all that does is give more food for these institutes like the Fraser Institute to say we have the most expensive government in Canada because there's a whole bunch of costs in there that are, are not really government costs. On the, on the uh, numbers of uh, what civil servants make, well, I can tell you that uh, the Alberta government has a hell of a time recruiting good, smart, senior people to come and work for the government because the, the minute you bring someone in, especially if they're younger, train them well, they're on a progressive path, oil company's stolen them right off un under your eyes. And it's really tough to compete with. And, and, the, and the problem we have you're right on the small business side. You're right on the frontline worker side. But if you're, if you're going to – and that's what the Fraser Institute was talking about, these management employees with these – whether they're making 100000 or not. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's really hard to come up with statistics that, in my view, are, are hard, fast, and defendable. I wanted to just uh, uh, maybe take a minute or two to – you raised Chinook Health. Uh, had an opportunity to uh, see a fellow uh, who I have the greatest admiration for at, uh, after Ralph's funeral, Jack Eighty. And I'm sure many in the room know Jack Eighty, and whether you like Jack or don't like him or like what he did or don't like what he did, um, that's irrelevant. I think Jack Eighty 
and the Chinook Health Region were one of the most creative, best managed health systems in the province. And when I took over health, I had spent, well, I guess my first term, listening to bitching in caucus every day about these goddamn regional health authorities. And I said, well, if we don't like what they're doing, let's do something about it. The 90% of the issues came from Edmonton and Calgary. So we were faced with a couple of decisions. We had three northern regions that were bankrupt. We had Calgary and Edmonton who couldn't even talk to each other, let alone work together. But we had about three, maybe four, really well-run regional health authorities, and Chinook was one of them, in, in my view. And uh, we just knew that you could either go down to, you could stay where you were, I don't know what you did with the guys in the north that were broke and what you did with Edmonton and Calgary who couldn't get along. Or you could go to one, and that's where we ended up. Um, and when I saw Jack after Ralph's funeral, he said, whatever anybody tells you, that was the best decision that you could have made. And I, I appreciated that coming from a guy like Jack. But I appreciated it more coming from uh, Gordon. can't remember her name. Irene Gordon? No, it's not Irene. Anyway, she was the CEO in Capital Health Authority, COO, not CEO. She was a vice president, I think it was. But anyway, she, under the new Alberta Health Services system, is the head of the university hospital. So when I was the health minister about six months after we had merged the regions, I st I, we were doing an opening there or something, and I had another one, but I need to grab a sandwich before I went to the other one. So I said, come on down and let's have a sandwich in the cafeteria and let's talk. So I said, okay, no, no BS. How is this working? She said, it's working way better than it ever did when Edmonton and Calgary were separate. She said, let me give you an example of how bad the relationship had gotten between Calgary and Edmonton. She said, uh, in neonatal care, you can never have the right amount of staff because as Everybody in this room knows we don't know when we need neonatal care. So you rely on other health regions to help out in a time of uh, high demand. And she said to me, I can tell you how bad it got between Calgary and Edmonton. When Edmonton needed help in neonatal care, they, the first call went to Saskatoon. When Calgary needed help, the first call went to Haver, Montana. And we had a quads out of Calgary born in Haver, Montana because Calgary wouldn't call Edmonton for help. That's how bad it was. In addition to that, what you're now seeing, you're reading about it every day in paper about expense accounts with some of these. The, the culture of entitlement in these larger health regions had gotten to the point where it was not going to be fixed without just blowing the hell damn thing up and starting all over again. That's <coughs> the history behind it. So I'm sorry... You're not there, but... No, I, I think fine. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, Trevor Page, thank you for your presentation. I want to bring you back, though, to the, uh, the oil royalty question because that was quite an admission that the minister in charge of energy found it too complicated to understand. I, I recognize, of course, that the royalties can't be pegged too high so that you don't have a company there. That's fine. Uh, who determines when they've reached 
the recovery of all their capital expenditure. Is that the oil company itself? Or is that your department, uh, or the minister's department? Yeah. No, 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 definitely through the department. And, and of course, keep in mind the uh, Department of Energy works on an ongoing basis with all of the players in Alberta, so it's, it's joint. Uh, they're, uh, uh, I mean, it must cause you sleepless nights, you know, in this age where private sector is not always strictly honest. Well, no, but, they, they, I mean, they're all shareholder-owned, so they all have annual uh, disclosures. But they're there for a profit, Shareholders are there. They wouldn't be there if they didn't make Precisely. It. That's my point. I mean, are you worried that when a company says, well, we've now recovered all of our capital costs, mm. and therefore you can charge us 15% instead of 1%, does that bother you a little or worry you? Well, no, but I, I just want to make sure it's clear. It isn't the oil company who says we've recovered all of our costs. Okay. On an ongoing basis... They are disclosing, via their annual statements, their profit margins, and then working with the department, that's determined as to when they reach that payout. So it's, it's joint. Obviously, the Department of Energy doesn't have the access to the books of the individual company, but when the company has to disclose publicly, because otherwise the Alberta Securities Commission will be all over them, uh, it's a joint effort. I mean, you're confident that there is a check and balance system which yes. is adequate. Yes. Thank you. Because I do want to get back to the first point that you made. I want to be clear. As Minister of Energy, I could not uh, even begin to understand all of the intricacies of all of these uh, various royalty structures. And so that's where you have to rely on the people in your department who do understand all of those things. So just want to make that clear. Hi. Hello, it's Lauren Brown, and I have to ask a real stupid question. None are stupid. But <laughs> yeah, they are sometimes. But uh, we Only the media's questions are stupid. Uh, why <laughs> does, like, it's to do with royalties again. Yes, yep. Why is it that Norway, who modeled their royalty structure on Alberta's oil, blah, 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 um, they have a, a fund now about $600 billion, but our heritage fund mm -hmm. has $16 billion mm -hmm. in it, and I... I don't very think good, yep, very good we don't question. understand why. Well, uh, the, the really simple answer is because, and I don't have the exact details, but uh, Norway's tax structure is amongst the highest in the world. Right. So what we, what we have effectively given up in taxation room, Norway didn't and funneled it into the heritage fund, their heritage fund. So, in other words, if we would have had a tax structure that would have been, would have been about the equivalency of Norway, our fund today could probably be, I don't know, three, four hundred uh, billion. And a, and a well, what I'm saying is, we need to have this discussion about the appropriate tax structure we have. Our tax structure is down here. Norway's is up here, and. We need to have that discussion. That was the whole point of my speech. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Ron, for coming down and for your uh, speech and for your straightforward answers. We appreciate your coming down very much, and thank you again.
Please remember next week, Dr. Richard Kolb, one of the highest uh, physician uh, persons we have working in that area, will be speaking.